Welcome to Girls Who Read Porn. Please be advised that this podcast contains mature content for mature audiences. The title might have given that away though. We would also advise you triple check the trigger warnings of each book prior to the episode. And if it's not for you, we'll see you next week. Each episode includes major spoilers, so make sure you read the book and don't say we didn't warn you. With all that in mind, on with the show. Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Girls Who Read Porn. It's me, G, and as usual I'm joined by the lovely Betty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good and we're very, very lucky today because we have Melanie Harlow joining us. How are you, Melanie? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. That's okay. Do you like to be called Melanie or Mel? Have you got a preference? Either one. Either one. Okay, perfect. Either one. That's yep. good. <laughs> Um, we don't have Ola today, but she might sneak in at some point. So we'll just we'll just keep trucking along without her. So Mel, what was it that originally got you into writing romance books? I think, like I've always been a reader, and in any kind of story, I was drawn to the emotional arc of you know the book. Um, I thought I was going to write kids' books, so I wasn't you know, I didn't start out writing romance right away. I thought I was going to write, I know it's kind of funny now. I originally thought I was going to write YA. That's um, a big Yeah. (laughs) I did did write YA of contemporary romance. And this is, this was like 12 years ago, kind of before I even knew about self-publishing. So I was trying to get an agent and be traditionally published. Then I wrote a time travel YA romance. Then I wrote a historical YA romance And um, that one did the best of, you know, probably because that was my third one and I was getting better at it. Um, But all of the agents that I was querying said, this won't sell. There's no market for it. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to release it myself then. I'll self-publish it because I had friends self-publishing romance at the time. So I took that book and I wrote a lot more sex scenes for it and like really up to the romance. And I had such a good time doing it that I, I thought, okay, no, this is where I belong. Nice. Um, I did release that historical book, but it turned out those agents were right. There really wasn't a market for it. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe it's not. still published. I mean, it's still published, and I do have readers now that go back and read it, um, and many of them really like it. You just have to be a certain kind of a reader, you know, like if a book written in the 1920s doesn't sound good to you, like don't, don't bother. But if you're kind of intrigued and you're a Melanie Harlow reader, you, you might like picking it up. So oh. yeah, that's how I get. What I was called? That one's called, there are two books. It's a duet. It's called the speakeasy duet. Okay. Nice. That's I like, I like a good historical yeah. romance. It definitely is a niche though, isn't it? You know what? And I didn't know anything. I'm just like, I just did not know anything about historicals, like how they worked in romance. Like usually, um, like there's very specific periods like Regency or, you know, and and I just knew nothing. I just was like, this is just a good story. I'm just going to write it. Like 1920s historical romance isn't really a thing. (laughs) So, uh, but it exists. It's out there. If anybody really like is intrigued by that era, um, like the Prohibition era, and likes a sexy book, it's out there for you. No. So, were you always a reader of romance? Yeah, I read all over the place. Um, but like, I did. I definitely. I don't know if you guys had Sweet Valley High. Did you have the Sweet Valley High? <laughs> yeah. so, I still own them. They're all in my basement. And so I like 
ate those up. And then I graduated to like more mature romance. Like my mom was a romance reader. And then I loved like Nora Roberts, like some romantic suspense mm -hmm. stuff in there. So I really read all over the place, but um, was really drawn to like the romance every single time. Yeah. Do you have any books at the moment that you've read recently that you really loved? You know what I'm really into right now? And it's it's not a romance, but it's so great. It's called None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Oh, I've heard of Lisa Jewell. Yeah. She does quite yeah. a lot of more sort of thriller stuff, doesn't she? Yeah. Yes. It is. It's set in the UK and it's kind of like, um, I think I heard about it like on a podcast. I'm a huge podcast nerd. So, um, and someone was talking about it and I'm like, this sounds really good. And it is, it's fantastic. And I had never read Lisa Jewell before, um, but I'm going to pick up some more of her books. I really yeah, do I've, like um, reading um, outside romance sometimes just for like a, a yeah. break from it. I've got her, the... What's it called? Like the house upstairs. The family upstairs. The family upstairs. Yeah, I've got oh. that series that I'm yet to read, but it's like looking at me on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm in. The, I'm almost to the middle of that one, and I really like cannot put it down. Yeah, I think it is. I was being video actually talking about that yesterday about how like we've got our romance books that we read, and then we've got books that we read for the podcast. But then like I particularly try to read a non-romance book in between everyone because I feel like it just keeps you a bit fresh. Yeah, and I think as an author too, like because I've written I don't even know like thirty-three books or something. It's really interesting to me. So I know the structure of a romance really, really well. So when I'm reading a romance, it's harder for me to get lost in it because I can see behind the curtains. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can see the skeleton of it, and I just find it easier to get lost in other kinds of books that maybe are like a little bit twistier or they're revealing things in a different way. And I think like, oh, that's so clever, you know, how that author did that. I wasn't paying attention over here and, and suddenly she just hit me with something. So yeah, I find it really interesting and good for me as a writer too, to, to read outside my genre. Yeah. So how, how is it when you sit down and decide to write a book, how do you sort of go about it? How do you come up with your ideas? You know, I'm... I don't have that many ideas. Like I'm always super envious of the writers who have like an idea file. I honestly have to wait until it like comes to me and then I can sit down and, and write it. I wish I had the idea fountain. I, I don't like I've had, I always say like, however many books I've written, that's how many ideas I've had. Like right now I've probably had 33 ideas because I have 33 books. Um, I usually start with the trope. I think of like a the kind what kind of story do I want to write? Um, and then I think, okay, well, what kinds of characters haven't I done yet in that trope? Um, and then because I write more character driven stories, yeah. uh, so then that's my my like second level of consideration. And then I think, okay, well, what would make a great setup for this premise? Nice, nice. So. You've got a new book coming out soon and near the beginning of March, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. March 4th. Yeah. March yeah. 4th. Um, so Small Town Swoon. Would you like mm -hmm. to give us a little overview for your fans out there that are listening, what they can expect? Oh, sure. So Small Town Swoon is about um, a Hollywood actor who falls for a girl back home. She's a diner waitress. 
and she is his little sister's best friend. So like, I guess to flip that, it's a best friend's older brother trope. Um, And I've sort of teased this one. This is a fourth book in the series. So I've sort of teased this one all the way through that the little sisters, because the family, there were four brothers and and a younger sister. And the younger sister's best friend has been there throughout these other books. And she always has something kind of like snippy to say about this Hollywood actor brother. Um, So you knew, readers would know that there's history there, but I haven't really said what it is, what went down between them. So I definitely clear that up. I make it clear what happened between them and why she holds holds something against him. Um, And so, and that's always really fun. I really love a story where there's history um, behind, you know, what's going to happen. And I find it really fun as a writer. And I like it as a reader too, when it's woven in, to uh, like what's happening in in the present yeah so this is part of your cherry tree harbor series Mm -hmm. and is this like a series of interconnected standalones exactly yes so so far every brother has had a story and this is like so the youngest sister her name is mabel and everyone is like well mabel needs a book mabel needs a book and the problem i wrote myself into a corner with mabel Because she's the youngest, she's only 24 years old, and she's getting her PhD in archaeology. This is like what I wanted my life to be if I wasn't a writer. (laughs) Go on digs. Um, And I don't, how am I going to give this, you know, awesome, smart PhD student who's only 24, what is she doing in this small town in Michigan? Like, and she's going to stay there for a man? Like, no, I don't like that. (laughs) I I haven't really talked much about it um, because every time I do my readers revolt and they're like, no, she must have a story. So, but I, all I can say is right now, it's not coming up fast. I need, Mabel needs a minute to have (laughs) a career, (laughs) to be successful and professional um, and so I'm not saying never, but it's not coming up. Look, I just, and I don't know if it's just because like, I, so I have an 18 year old daughter who just like left home to like make her way in the world. And I don't want her to like come back here and like live in a small town right now. Like I want her to go and do her thing. So I think that's on my mind and it's sort of why I can't wrap my brain around a story for Mabel while she's this 24 year old student right now. So yeah, that makes sense. Maybe later. Yeah. Your like real world values translate to your book values. They, I can't turn off my brain that much. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, I know a lot of writers can, they can just separate it and be like, well, this is just a book and I'll, I'll write this and that, but I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as creative. (laughs) Fair enough, honestly. Um, Do you have a favorite book out of the ones that you've released for Cherry Tree Harbor so far? Um, I really love a fake relationship. I just think they're so much fun to write. So book three was Marriage of Convenience. It's called Make Believe Match. And it it was just, I, I just, I love that trope, marriage of convenience. It's very hard to pull off in a contemporary romance because there's just no good reason why two people (laughs) So you kind of have to be like, suspend your disbelief a little bit and be like, oh, okay, it's it's romance reasons sort of thing. 
But I just, I love it when there has to be like, you establish the rules. There's like a contract and okay, here's how it's going to be. And you're not going to do this and I'm not going to do this. And, and then of course it all blows up because, you know, there's only one bed and they, they have feelings for each other and, and all that. Plus it was really fun in this one. Um, I had them elope to Las Vegas and it was just, I had a really good time writing that book. So I, I would say that that, that one was really fun for me to write. Yeah, that's my, really that's my dream in life. I'd love to elope in Las Vegas with like an Elvis impersonator. Oh my yeah. God, it's in the book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's I would love there. <laughs> it's like, that's going to be me one day with someone not forced into an arranged marriage with me. Right, hopefully. right. <laughs> I hope, I hope not. Uh, I've, yeah, eloping to Vegas would be funny because it would just take all the pressure off. Mm-hmm. You, know? you wouldn't have to spend the, the months and months planning and organizing it'd be nice right and then just have a party afterwards Good right yeah. yep. yep and especially when you're not in love with the person like you know you just kind of go there and when I was doing the research I was like wow it is really easy you literally like go into this one office get a license and walk down the street and someone will marry you and I'm like it should not be this easy to get married <laughs> We were talking um, about because um, Betty spent she spent a year living in America when she was younger and just like for the shits and giggles got her marriage license like her marriage <laughs> thing in Ohio you can be able to oh, marry yeah. people in, in Ohio I can I can ordain people in Ohio because it was like a it was it's like a three week course online yeah. and I just Ohio, had to sign some paperwork that's yeah. really fun. so what's what oh I'm a re- I'm a rev I'm a reverend in Ohio. And an ordained minister for a three-week course. So <laughs> no, I was thinking. So I was like, I was like, so if I went to Ohio and you married me, like, and I just didn't tell the New Zealand government when I got back, like, could I just get married again in New Zealand? We were talking about like how you transfer a marriage certificate from like country to country or state to state. I don't know. I've never written that, so I yeah. never had to look it up. Yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe that's your next book's idea. (laughs) Well, now I'm going to write a a Reverend Betty into a book that is (laughs) that is a podcast host and a romance reader that also can marry you. Yeah, Yeah. only in Ohio though, nowhere else. Yeah, Yeah. I live. I'm in Michigan, so and I'm in like south southeast Michigan, which is very close to Ohio. So I feel like I could make it work. Right, they just, you just have to cross the border and yeah. then you can drive back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that border. There's no problem in crossing it. <laughs> um, out of your Cherry Tree Harbor series, do you have any particular like smutty scenes or sex scenes that, when you wrote it, you were like, "Yep, yeah, that one's a winner." Um, I have a few. So there's one in the first book um, that he was just kind of rough. Like he was more of an aggressive, um, like in, in life with anyone else, he's very reserved. So he has like a rougher side that sort of comes out when he's with her. So there, there are a couple scenes. There's one in the shower that is sticking out in my mind. <laughs> um, and the, But then there's a scene in, in book two that I really liked. So that one was a bodyguard romance where they had to share this cabin and there's only one bed, go figure. Um, but... There is a scene where, because she's a celebrity, people are always telling her what to do, what to wear, how to act, what to say. 
And she says, you don't know what it's like to have people telling you what to do all the time. You're always at someone else's mercy. And that man drops to his knees and says, show me what it's like. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So because he was this big guy and he was always telling her like, no, you're not going in there. You can't go here. It's not safe. So I flipped it a little bit. And that power dynamic was it was that was interesting to play with that scene that's yeah. fun I do like um like the the one bed trope I like that it can be applied to any genre of romance like it's also oh. a super popular one in like fantasy romance like they'll be like traveling so people always travel in fantasy romance right there was like some sort of journey going to yeah. another world where there's a shortage of beds there's like yeah. a little inn on the side of the road and just one bed or it gets like really cold it's like you have to yeah. it doesn't matter room. whether it's you know Montana or Middle Earth, there's only one of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, if you could pick one of your characters to be with in real life, who do you think it would be? Um, you know, there's a character, there's a hero from one of my earliest books that I ever wrote, and his name was Nick Lupo, <laughs> and he was a chef <laughs> and Italian. And for some reason, this man just lives rent-free in my mind, like as if he's a real human. I don't know what it is about him, but like he cooks, he has tattoos, he's just hot. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Nick Lupo always is is a favorite of mine. Um, And whenever I meet a reader who's always like, oh, Nick Lupo, I'm like, you are my people. (laughs) And then the funny thing is I wrote a Next Generation series where his son, is the hero. And I had the heroine in that book have a crush on his dad. Just a little one. (laughs) (laughs) Like they kind of grew up together. So she's known as dad forever. And she just always thought he was cute. But yeah, I was like, no, I have to. Yeah. (laughs) It must be funny. Yeah. I guess that when you write a book, especially romance, like you, you are writing in the qualities that you find attractive. So it's kind of like, you know, each man that you create is just like a little bit of a perfect man. Yes. Yes. And sometimes I'm like, I have to give this man a flaw, like, because he's too perfect. Like, what is wrong with him? So yeah, but you do tend to want to write the ideal person. Yeah. It's but it's trickier. I will say it's trickier with women. It's trickier with the heroines uh, to get them right. You know, I, I feel like readers are just a little bit more willing. You have a longer runway with a with a male character with the hero they'll kind of forgive him for some things and they'll accept some things but with the heroine because a reader needs to identify with her it's just I feel like a, a more narrow um I have less wiggle room I have to make yeah, sure yeah, you definitely find that relatable that um people are definitely a lot less forgiving of like female lead characters in books yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, what you said, Melanie, was right, because hey? the majority of romance readers are women. So it's like that's the person that they're kind of having to put themselves in the shoes of. Yes. Yes. So they don't want her to be too perfect, but, and they, you know, she's got to be relatable and, and likable. And they just need to understand her. Um, and, and it doesn't mean she has to make all the right decisions all the time. But I think they really have to understand why she's doing the things that she she does, especially if she's pushing the hero away. Yeah. Um, what are your plans for your next book after Small Town Swoon is released? So that's a good question. 
<laughs> I actually am taking a little bit of a break. I'm taking some time off. Um, I've written pretty much nonstop. Like I usually release three books a year and I've been doing that. And one year I released four books. I don't know how I did that. It was 2020. <laughs> I, there was nothing else to do. Um, so I'm going to, um, I'm going to take a little bit of a break and just catch up on some life stuff and try to like take a little breathing space. Um, like I said, I had, I had one daughter just, just leave the nest and I have another one who's a couple years younger. And so I'm, you know, spending time with my husband and my daughter and I'm just trying to not be so, um, obsessed about a deadline. So, mm -hmm. um, and I think it will, whatever I write next, I think it will be better for having some, some time off. Um, I also am at an age where I have some real bad brain fog <laughs> And like, so sitting down, I try to like concentrate and focus and write and it just doesn't, does, it's not happening. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to give myself some space in the schedule. Yeah. Um, that said, my goal <laughs> is to, I, I haven't announced this anywhere. So like, oh my um, God, exclusive. exclusive. Yeah, so this is exclusive. <laughs> My plan is to release another book in that next generation series I was just talking about. So right now there are four books in the series and that was a series that was like end of 2021 took me all the way through 2022. And mm -hmm. so it's been a minute since a book in that series was out. So I kind of need some time to go back through and remember what I wrote about these people. And then, um, and then I'd like to write one more book in that series. Um, nice. in during that will release maybe in fall of this year. Yeah. How yeah. exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. I think, yeah, what you said about taking a break, like so many authors that we've spoken to, it seems to be, especially in like the self-publishing world, they just, they started writing and then they just didn't stop. Yeah. Like, and they've got crazy turnovers yeah like three or four books a year so every few months just pumping out books and it just it seems like a pretty crazy lifestyle I mean yeah there there was just this for so many years this sense of urgency like oh my gosh I the market's so hot I gotta get this out now I gotta do it now you know my chance will be done if I if I wait I can't wait you know my, my name will fade into obscurity and and I think what many people found was like, um, first of all, it leads to burnout and you're not, you're not going to put out the product that you want to, the, the stories that you want to for a lot of us. And then, um, and it wasn't true. Like you can take a break and, and your readers will be there for you when you come back it, because it doesn't mean you're going to disappear off the face of the earth. Like, even though I'm not releasing a book this summer, I still have a newsletter. I, I write twice a month. I still have my reader group. I'm really active in my reader group. I have social media. Like I'm not, um, leaving not the like, planet. Yeah. <laughs> not like going into hermit mode. No, I have fun things like different hardcovers and special editions and stuff that I'm excited about. But yeah, as for like a, a new story that won't come until the, till the fall. See, this is what makes me laugh about authors because they'll be like, I'm taking a break. And then they'll mention a million different jobs that they're doing while they're doing <laughs> And every single one of them does it. They're like, yep, I'm going to go for a break, but I'm also going to be at every book signing in the country if you want to see <laughs> It's like, what? <laughs> I know, it's true. Because you. It's this is a very solitary job. 
you know, and the people that you're doing it for, your readers are all over the place. And that's like the one chance to connect with them are at these these events. So they, it is hard to say no to them. Um, I actually, I, I did though, I did say no. I had to drop one this year. I'm doing four Brits in the UK, which I'm really excited about mm -hmm. in, in July because I've never been to the UK for an event or anything. So I'm really excited about that. And then, um, and then that's it. For this year. I don't have another signing planned. Um, and then for 2025, I'm signed on to two in Canada. Both of them are in Canada oh, wow. randomly. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to do the Australian. Um, what's the one in Australia? Is Babe? Is it Babe? Yeah. Or rare. Yeah. Yes. yes. I've gotten invitations, but it's really far. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a miserable flight. It's like it, yeah. 26 hours or something ridiculous. It's yeah. not fun. It's really far. And I don't think I would do it without my family, which means waiting for my you know younger daughter to be able to work it with school breaks and everything. So I just haven't done it yet, but I would like to. Yeah. Well, you'll have fun in the UK. That'll be, no, that'll be good. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Where about, my, are you going to London? Like the like We um, are flying into London. So my, my entire family is doing this. So we're flying to London and we have several days there and then we go to York. So the signing is in York. Oh, I love then, New York. York is one of my favorite places in the world. I am so excited. <laughs> I'm a like really big history nerd and there's a lot of history. Like I'm dragging my family to so many castles and cathedrals, <laughs> historical markers. They're going to hate me, but I'm going to love it. I'm excited. Honestly, it's also such a cozy town that it could be the next location for one of your books. Yeah. As soon as you walk through it, it's like cobble streets and really small oh. um, shop distances. Like the streets are really like skinny and cobbled yeah. and all the shops are kind of like um, old fashioned and yeah. And I'm getting like. Paint. <laughs> Beautiful church. Yeah. I'm really excited. And then we're going to Scotland for a few days Ooh, too. Nice. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So. I'm really, really excited. Awesome. I yeah. was um I was thinking about this actually the other day. I was thinking about because my partner recently went to Greece and I was like asking about like how the streets were laid out and like what the buildings look like. And I was like, why do all girls love architecture? <laughs> like that was like that was what I was most excited about. I was like, I want to tell me like how old were the buildings? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, those would be my questions too. Yeah, I'm excited. And also, we ask this question to every author that we have on because he really has a different perspective. But um, do you have any advice for aspiring female authors? Yeah, I mean, assuming that they want to write romance, I have lots of it. I actually work with a lot of authors. I have a group for um, authors. It was supposed to be for aspiring authors, but turned out to be like there's people at all levels in there. Um, and I would say like... The thing that I wish I had done, number one, I tried to avoid the tropes because I was like, they've all been done to death and I need to do something unique and original. And that is just not true. In fact, it's going to be a detriment when you go to market your book. That's not like anything else out there because no one knows who you are and no one knows how to describe what you did and you don't even know how to describe what you did because there's nothing else like it out there. So my advice to someone when you're building a name for yourself, really work hard to stick to those tried and true 
tropes that romance readers that you know that they love. Put your fresh spin on it. It will be different. It will be your voice. It will be your characters. But don't try to be original and unique. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. The other thing that I wish I had done was to be more intentional about um, not just the next book, but like writing in a series. I would write in a series and I would plan out, okay, these are the three books that I'm going to write. These are what the tropes are going to be. These are the character arcs. And I would take some time to plan that out before I just wrote and released one book over here, write and released another book over here. I think I, I didn't, because how could I have known? <laughs> I just didn't think very intentionally about anything other than getting the words out. And, you know, to be fair, that really should be your number one priority when you're first writing a book. The story is what matters most of all. But you could do yourself a really big favor by thinking about how this book fits into the market, who the reader is going to be, how are you going to package it, and what's going to follow it up, and how are you going to keep readers invested over time in that series. So I, I just wish that I had known some of those things earlier on. Yeah. Yeah, that's that really yeah, good. good. That was really good practical advice. Yeah. I think, yeah, in particular, Nelly, what you said about picking a trope and just kind of sticking to it. I feel like, you know, for people who maybe aren't too comfortable with writing, but really want to get into it, want to tell stories, that would be a really good way to kind of give you a bit more confidence and support as you are writing the book. Because for like, me, yeah. yeah you know, I always put everything ever that you could pick from, you know, it's, it'd right. be hard to sort of narrow it down. Yes. I once um, was listening to Shonda Rhimes talk about um, like writing for television. And she was saying how even she can't just write whatever she wants and somebody puts it on TV. Like <laughs> she's like, that's just not realistic. There's always a set of parameters. Like she said, give me a sandbox to play in and I'll play all day. And that's kind of how I feel about, first of all, romance as a genre has some very specific rules, you know, and, and structure to it that you really don't want to mess with. Like the happy ending like don't mess with that yeah. <laughs> if you yeah, there's not a happy ending you'll be getting messages saying when's the next book coming that's a rule um you know but there are some other like tropes that have pretty specific structures to them that that you could play with but like you said it's not just a giant free-for-all where you just feel lost once you know okay if i'm gonna write this um story about to enemies to lovers and they're going to get stranded together somewhere. That's a great setup. Lots of tension. Um, you know, they're probably going to get stranded somewhere where there's only one motel and in that motel, there's only one room. <laughs> in that room, there's only one bed because that's kind of the promise of that premise. So those are the kinds of things that I would you know, stick to and play with as I was starting out, because you know that readers love those. And that's going to be an easy way to be like, oh, did you love this? You're going to love this. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, yeah, good advice. The other advice that, and people like, I'm blue in the face because I say this so often, is like pick a lane and stay in it. <laughs> if you write... And I know that there are people who do this and they're successful and God bless them. But 
for the average author, I think it is most beneficial to pick your genre like contemporary small town romance and stay there and not be like paranormal over here, fantasy over here, um, you know, bully romance, dark academia over here, (laughs) space opera in the middle. I just think that because those are different readers and different readerships. And so you're going to please this readership with this book and then they're not going to come back for your, you know, space opera because they're they're looking for a paranormal romance. And it is very easy to think, and I know I made this mistake and and I think a lot of authors do to think, well, my readers just want to, they'll read anything I write. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There is that weird thing in romance where if you found your niche of romance books, you're like, you're in your niche. Like you're, it's very hard for people to switch between other types of romance. Yeah. yeah, Like like, as a reader, that's kind of what happens, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like We've talked a few times, like with the podcast, the podcast has been good because it's made us all read books that we probably normally wouldn't have picked up because it's not a genre that we would have automatically gone towards. Well, I was, because I'm a listener of, of your podcast, and when one, I don't know if it was Ella maybe that reached out to me, and I was like, oh, they don't like small town, like, rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. We always just give Ella shit for it, because it's fun. Because Beanie and I do, do sort of, like, naturally gravitate towards darker romance, but, like, every, every genre has its place, you know? So it's... Yeah. We normally, we normally, and we we always try never to judge on like trope or content, but just because if it's something that we wouldn't like if it happened to us, then yeah. But we judge on writing, and your writing is good. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good one. Just to like, there's no darkness in my book. I remember yeah. when I was first writing romance, and this was like right in the era post Fifty Shades of Grey. And so I was writing these kind of like lighter contemporary romance. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to be popular. No one wants this. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to write a dark book. And I tried <laughs> so hard <laughs> to write like a darker book. And it ended up being this book called Some Sort of Happy. And it is not dark at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like for our like listeners, like, you are in a pink room <laughs> with a cute little like cozy cardigan on. <laughs> like there's nothing dark about you. No, no, I'm like a cheerful person. I really don't have any like, you know, I don't have any dark ideas. I'm not drawn to stories that are like too traumatic or anything. So no, yeah. I didn't. Re- I never wrote the dark book. <laughs> Fair enough, honestly. I don't like. I I I enjoy reading darker books, but I don't think I could pull it off if I wanted to write one. I just think it's it'd be hard to do it without it being forced. It's yeah. It's weird to sort of capture that energy, eh? I think it would be hard to be in that mindset for a really long time. Yeah, like it would be. Yeah, quite taxing. Yeah. I, I think it, it would be kind of emotionally exhausting to to get into those places every day. That that would be hard. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and I admire all the writers who who are doing that and who deal with, you know, trauma and and all of that. Um, but my books are more of like a palate cleanser, <laughs> like between the dark reads, you could just 
read one and be like, huh, it'll feel, it'll feel like it goes right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's like, it's it, like in the same way it's hard to evoke, I guess, darker emotions in your readers. It's also hard to evoke those feelings of comfort. You've got to hit just on the right sort of wavelength. So I think I'm better at that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'll stay. Yeah. We need I the think... balance. We need the light and the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I've noticed like quite a few times when authors, sorry, <clears throat> When authors are interested in writing across different genres, that's where like the pen name comes in. So, you know, you'll quite often see somebody under a pen name and then you'll find out like a few years later that it was actually this other person. Yeah. Well, it's smart because they're building a separate brand for a separate readership. And, um, it, and I think, I mean, it's hard. It's a lot of work to build, build a brand. So to build two, like, I, I think it's, it's incredibly difficult, but some people just write faster. And also some people just um, have those two different, like they really want to write this dark, you know, whatever over here. And they really want to write light and fuzzy, you know, YA over here. And, um, and in order to just keep it either straight in their minds, straight for their readerships, the two pen names make, it makes sense to me. I mean, even writers like, um, like Dean Koontz and um, there's like really famous writers who use a second name for off-brand books. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not smarter than like Dean Koontz or Nora Roberts. So <laughs> when they, you know, if, if they're doing it that way, that would be how I would do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you were, you know, somebody like Dean Koontz who's been writing for so long, super established name, you look at his name, you kind of get an exact picture of what you'll be getting, how to get people out of that mindset. Eh? Yes. I mean, and that's the dream as an author. Like when you see someone's author name in, in that recognizable font, you know, you immediately, it, it brings forth that feeling in you, you know what you're getting. And I mean, that, that is the goal right there. And then it's the automatic click when you want that feeling, you know where to go. Um, and I think that's, that's the, the dream for an author. Yeah. I think definitely it's all with self-publishing and social media very much more accessible for authors to be able to do that but yeah like you said it's, it's like double the work you know if you want a social media presence for your author name and then your pen name that's two social media accounts Exhausting. I can't even think about it <laughs> but some people are really good at it you know and yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been really nice to chat with oh, you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's all right. And yeah, everybody look out for Small Town Swoon on March 4th. Thank you. Oh, Where's the best Bye, place for our audience to find you? Sorry, George. I have a website, melanieharlow.com. I have a Facebook reader group called Harlow's harlots and if you're an inspiring author and you're curious about that facebook author group i run you have to message me because i'm a little bit precious about it and i keep it hidden (laughs) just to to keep it focused on people who belong there um message me on facebook and um i'll send you an invitation to that in small town spoon that'll just be out on kindle Small Town Swoon will be out Kindle Unlimited on March 4th. And there are two versions of the paperback. Those will also be available on March 4th. There's like man cover for the people who want a man on their books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then there's just discreet cover for people who prefer it that way. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you had fun. I definitely did. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. 
Thank you for listening to Girls Who Read Porn. Follow us at Girls Who Read Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And for all business inquiries, please send us an email on girlswhoreadporn at gmail.com. Art created by Jessica Wanny and music made by Dane Forgy Stevens. See you next week and stay smutty, team.